Hello and welcome to worship this morning. My name is Lauren and I have the honor of serving as one of your pastors here at First Mansfield. And I'm so thankful that each and every one of you have braved the cold to be here with us this morning. Oh my goodness. I want to give you one free pass, which really you have this all the time, but I'm going to make it known today. If you find yourself a little chilly at any point during this service, you can just make your way out to the back. There's coffee station out there. There's hot water and tea. If you need it today, yeah, just no one will be offended. You just find your way out there. There's TVs out there. You can hear everything because my goodness, it is so cold. I'm so glad that you are all here safe and we can be in worship together. Today we will be reading from the book of Acts, which can be found on page 1689 of the Blue Bibles in the seat backs in front of you. Uh, But before we get to all that, I just want to say I hope that each and every one of you had the merriest of Christmases. Uh, It was so good to see all of you here on Christmas Eve Eve and Christmas Eve. Uh, Before we continue on, I just want to give us a minute to show our appreciation to all the sweet little children, the volunteers, the bands, the orchestra, uh, the behind the scenes AV people that made our Christmas look so good. So if you would, please join me in giving them all a hand. It was a wonderful time here with each and every one of you. I have to say my favorite part uh, was probably the eight o'clock Christmas Eve service. That is like my jam on Christmas Eve when I know it's Christmas is when the stage is just packed with people and with instruments and just all the decoration is up. And so that's the service my family and I go to every year. And so we were like, well, it's, it's the 8 o'clock traditional service. We should probably get there early. So we get here at 7.40. And we're like, yeah, that's 20 minutes early for church. I mean, that should work. And we come in and we walk down that aisle and up that aisle and down and up and down all the way around. And we find our seats right outside those windows in the back on the bench. And we sat there the whole time. It was awesome. Couldn't really see a thing, but we knew it was Christmas. So it was, it was great. Uh, So thank you again. I hope you all had a Merry Christmas and are looking forward to this uh, freezing cold New Year's Eve. Uh, Today, It's kind of a weird day because we're in the middle of two series. We just wrapped up our Christmas series. We're about to enter into the next one. And so Pastor David, when he asked me uh, to give the message on this day, he said, you can speak on whatever you like. And I said, okay, challenge accepted. So I began to make a list of things that I like uh, that I think I could write a decent 20-minute message on. And my list ended up looking like this. Uh, Puppies, kittens, pizza, Netflix, snow, I really do love this cold weather. Coffee, friends, family, Chipotle, but not the queso. And I could talk for 20 minutes how they need to redo that queso recipe. That is for sure. So when I looked at this list, I realized this list is golden. Like there's something in here. I'm sure of it. So it was Christmas Day and I told my family about this list. And I said, so we're going to sit down together with our coffee with our Netflix. And we're going to search all the documentaries and look for something that I think would be preachable. And so we're scrolling through and I find the gem of all gems in the Netflix documentary. It is called Puppies Destroy Christmas. And Pastor David has been talking about how much we love Christmas here. As you can tell, we are still celebrating Christmas here all over the church. And so why not show an hour-long Netflix documentary about puppies destroying Christmas? Puppies tearing down all the stockings, busting out of their boxes that they have been gifted in, ripping all the lights off the tree. I, I mean, I figured it would be a hit. And David said I could preach on whatever I liked. Uh, but then I realized as much as I like puppies, 
I love my job and still want to be here in 2018. Uh, And as cute as I think puppies are, I'm not really sure how Pastor David feels about puppies destroying Christmas for an hour long on a Sunday morning. Uh, So I figured uh, probably wasn't the best idea, but when you go home today, puppies destroy Christmas on Netflix. Won't be a waste of time. But today really though is a weird Sunday because it is Christmas, or it's not Christmas, it's New Year's Eve. It is New Year's Eve. And when I realized that I'd be preaching on New Year's Eve, two thoughts came to my mind. I could either talk about how the end of the year is coming. We have just a little over 12 hours left to live it up, to get all the junk food out of the way, uh, to do all the things before we have to begin a fresh start of working out every day, of not snoozing our alarms, of eating healthy, of being better people. Or we could talk about how the new year is kind of already here. How we've been called into this new year, new you mindset where we are committing to waking up early every day, to working out, to being healthy, to being better people. But then I began to realize that although 2017 is not yet over and 2018 is not yet here, our story was set in motion a long time ago. The new year does not create a new us, but provides us with a moment to pause and to reflect on our story. Our story has been happening for many days, for many months, many years, and many centuries. And when I thought about this, I asked myself, what does this mean for us today? And how does this lead us into tomorrow? So today, I want us to talk about our story as part of the church with a capital C. This is the united front that we share with believers in Christ all across the world. The birth of the early church. This is where we came from, but this is also where we are going. This is how we are called to reach out and how we are called to come together with our brothers, our sisters, our friends, family, and enemies the same. This is not how we are called to live only on January 1st, but yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And we experience this birth story of the church in the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is a record of Acts of the Apostles, which gives it its name. But it can also be called Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because it teaches us about the coming of the Spirit in the early church. Acts is the second part of Luke's story, and it was written so that we could know the true story of how the early church came to be and how it grew. Now the book of Acts focuses on two apostles mainly. It focuses on Peter and Paul. And Peter is the central person involved in the beginning of the church in Jerusalem. And Paul is the important missionary who dedicates his entire life to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And I believe uh, that the goal of Acts can be summarized in five verses from Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. Hear this word. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. To the breaking of bread and to prayer, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. 
Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I believe this is the goal. Devoting our lives to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. Breaking bread and spending time in prayer. And giving to those in need and praising God. This is the goal of the church. But sometimes it seems somewhere along the way things got a little off kilter. If we fast forward a few chapters to Acts 5, 1 through 11, we read a story of Ananias and Sapphira. And to summarize this story rather quickly, Ananias and Sapphira were married. And one day they sold some of their land and they gave some of the money to the apostles. And the money that they did not give, they held back and hid for themselves. And when they presented Peter with this money, Peter said, Ananias... How is it that Satan has filled your heart, that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and kept some money for yourself? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not just lied to human beings, but you have lied to God. Immediately following this, Ananias fell to his death. And after Ananias passed, his wife walked in not knowing what had happened, and Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for your land? She said, yes. And Peter said, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. And then Sapphira fell to her feet and died. And now I do not share the story with you, to make you fearful if you held back some of your tithes today. This is a safe and welcoming space. But I share this with you because I think sometimes we forget the purpose of the book of Acts. We can forget the purpose of the church. We forget our purpose and we forget our story. The other day, I was reading this story of Ananias and Sapphira and I heard someone compare it to the story of the great Gatsby. Now, if you have not read The Great Gatsby first, you're missing out because it's a wonderful novel. But second, the whole plot centers around a man named Jay Gatsby. And Mr. Gatsby has one goal in life, and that is to win over the heart of Miss Daisy Buchanan. Mr. Gatsby is not one who spends an extended amount of time devoting his life to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. He does not break bread or spend time in prayer he does not give to those in need and he does not seem to praise God, but rather he sets out to become a man of fame and fortune to gain the attention of Miss Buchanan. Now I wanted to say a spoiler alert here as I'm about to reveal the end of the novel, but then I realized that this book has been out since 1925 and if you have not read it, I'm just going to say that that's on you. But despite Gatsby's best effort to have the grandest house and throw the most luxurious parties, to be the most handsome man around, he did not end up with his love, Daisy Buchanan. And at the end of the novel, when Mr. Gatsby has passed, a lot is revealed at his funeral. To quote the book, in fact, only a small number of individuals attended Jay Gatsby's funeral. 
including a few servants, the West Egg Postman, the minister overseeing the service, and only three other men. Following his funeral, he was forgotten by most. A man who spent his entire life in the worldly riches, building up all of this fame, all of this fortune, was so quickly forgotten. And then we look at this book of Acts. We see the apostles giving everything that they have, all that they own, all of their spirit, to accomplish one goal. And unlike Mr. Gatsby, unlike Ananias and Sapphira, these men, the apostles, are driven by God's purpose rather than their own desires. Even with God leading them, the apostles' journey was not without difficulty. With God as our leading purpose, that does not mean that our life will always be easy. But this gives us a healthy mindset and a goal to strive towards. While Jay Gatsby was a man with his own plans to build his own name up and to make it great, his plans failed and his legacy was forgotten. And then we flip to the apostles who are not working on their own but are listening to the calling of the Lord and joining in his plans. And even when the apostles faced imprisonment, even when they faced beatings and the threat of death, they were strengthened in the spirit to endure and continue on to spread the gospel. This was possible because they took time to pause. They took time to reflect, to rejuvenate, and to remember their purpose. I think a lot of times we fall into the trap of building our lives like Ananias and Sapphira so that one day we can be like Mr. Gatsby. In fact, this is how the world constantly tells us that we need to be living. We think that our story will finally gain enough purpose when we are rich enough, when we are fit enough, when we are promoted enough, when we know enough, when we have enough power. We spend all of our time trying to be enough that we forget who we are in our story right now. We forget where we are right now and where we are called to be right now. Acts is not only a book that reveals to us our past and how we came to be, but Acts is a book that guides us into our future. The book of Acts reveals to us two paths that we can take. One that leads to light and life and the other that leads to darkness. Now I don't know about you, but every year I set New Year's resolutions. I will stop consuming so much diet Dr. Pepper. I will actually begin to lift weights to work on my spaghetti arms. I will work on holding my tongue. I will work on loving people better. Every year I say, I will do this, I will do that. And every year I fail. Every year, people come to church on this weekend and they assume that they will hear a new year, new you type of message. But what if this year we said new year, old church? What if this year we made our lives more than just about hitting the gym, but we reflected on the teachings of our church history? What if we paused to remember our story in that moment, to remember how vital our lives are to the life of the church, to the life of this church, and how we are called to be so much more than fit in life, but we are called to be disciples of love and grace and peace and forgiveness. We must come here and we must admit 
that we are faulty humans, powerless to control our tendency to do the wrong thing, and that our lives without Christ are simply unmanageable. This new year, we must come and pause and reflect. See, we have just received this amazing gift of Christmas, but Christmas does not stop with the birth of a baby. Christmas means that the world is forever changed and we are a part of that change. There was a life followed by death and then resurrection and that is the good news. So today we must pause. We must take ourselves back to the beginning, letting go of the burdens that the world has placed on us and remembering our true purpose. My father has always been obsessed with eagles. We have a creepy amount around our house. And I always thought that this was because of just how majestic looking they were, which in fact they are stunning. But this Christmas he gave me a wooden eagle with a note attached to it that revealed something a little more. And now I'm pretty sure that this note is simply a story that has been passed on for centuries, but I believe there is something vital that we can learn about it. The note said, eagles are awesome. There are a lot of cool things about eagles, but the coolest for me is when the eagles' mighty wing feathers have become heavy with oil and dirt, and their beaks and talons become calcified and brittle. They retire to a hiding place, in a cave or a rock. Out of reach of predators, and the eagle experiences a period of rejuvenation. With their great beaks, they pull out their mighty wing feathers one by one. And then they extract each claw. Finally, they begin to smash their beak against a rock until it is too gone. Left defenseless, this peerless, unique bird patiently waits until the beak, the talons, and the feathers have regrown. Emerging in their renewed condition stronger than before. When I hear that, I think an eagle, one of the most fearless creatures in the world, admits that they have taken on too much of their external environment. The eagle goes to a place of solace and rest and returns itself to the physical presence in the way in which it came into this world. And then it patiently waits. As the bird regains and rebuilds old and new strength to come out rejuvenated. Now, whether this story is fact or fiction, we experience rejuvenation like this every day in our world. We see the caterpillars that cocoon and turn into beautiful butterflies. We see hormonal teenagers that one day turn into kind and caring young adults. We have been given a purpose in this world. We have been given a story and we have been given examples of how to live. And now we have a choice of which example we follow. As we enter in to this new year, I pray that you will join me on a journey of self-discovery, reflecting on the teachings of the apostles committing to the goodness of the church and living in a way that proclaims that goodness, that we will strive to be far more than rich and famous, that we will not hide our brokenness from the Lord, but we will follow the teachings of the apostles, devoting our lives to teaching and fellowship, breaking bread and spending time in prayer, giving to those in need and praising God. This year is not about creating a new story for ourselves, 
but it is about coming together to reclaim the story that we have already been gifted with. This year, I challenge you to not recreate yourself, but to live into the person that God has called you to be. For us to be the church that God has called us to be, to be the disciples that God is calling us to be every second of every day. And once we realize this call, it is about us coming together, united, being the church that God has created us to be. Let us pray. Gracious God, we come to you this morning on this last day of 2017, heavily anticipating what the year of 2018 holds, and we come to say that we are your people, God. We are here to be your disciples. God, we come to love you as best as we know how, to give you all our honor and glory, to give you all that we have and all that we are, God. We just ask that you continue to call us your disciples, and we have the courage to continue to respond to that calling, God. For we are humans and we will fail, but we ask that you continue to walk alongside us through that failure, God, that you remind us that we are enough and we have a story and that story is important. It is a story that should be faithfully lived out each and every day, God. We thank you for the calling that you have placed on our lives. We thank you for this beautiful year of 2017, all that it has held. God, we just ask that you come and you bless the year of 2018. For we we are excited for where you will call us to go as your people, as the church, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen.